Last time on Video Night. I poo pooed. I love that movie. Shut up. Pan and scan, ladies and gentlemen. Too legitly to quitly. I used to be a pun guy. Don't stop believing. Can't believe what I just saw. I like it. And now. Video Night. Spoilers ahead. Hey, Michael. Hello. Hey, so do you like Harry Potter? Um, yes and no. I don't like the... But do, you like the do you like the books, Harry Potter? I don't even know how to read. I look at pictures of comic books. <laughs> that's it. I have no idea. Okay, so you're not familiar too much with the pages. Well, uh, getting me to read is like learning the language and arrival. Uh, <laughs> I don't know what all this means. It looks pretty. <laughs> Circles and in, in ink splash. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The new, okay. the new arrival, I should say, not the... Uh, Charlie Sheen. Highly no, underrated right, fun right. Middle, uh, Okay, but yeah, sorry, that was a shitty joke. <laughs> yeah, it's okay. Uh, they're all crappy. What about then Twilight? Uh, yeah, I'm going to go ahead and put myself on a limb there. I kind of like part two and three. I never finished. I never, I don't, oh, really? Is there like four of them? Did you read five of them? Again, books, what about them? No. Did you read uh, no, them? No. I rarely ever read anymore. When I okay. read a lot, this is back when I was working at a library 10 years ago. That when I was reading the heaviest. Hmm. Is mostly like pulp noir stuff. Oh, you know, cool. You know the hard case crime? I read tons of that. Yeah, yeah. I love the Stephen one King anthologies. Even as a kid, I read horror anthologies when I shouldn't have. I read lots of pulp stuff. If it's under 250 pages, I'm going to burn through it pretty fast. So tons of Conan stuff. You know those action novels in the 60s and 70s? You know, like yeah, the Matt yeah, Helm. Yeah. And what's the one that's like a ripoff? Of, no, Punisher ripped it off. Bronze. Matt. Man of Bronze. No, that's Doc Savage. Mac Bolin, The Executioner or The Exterminator or something like that. Ex Executioner, I think. Yeah, I read a bunch of those. Read The Destroyers. Stuff like that. I read lots of those. But mostly it's just... Oh, oh, Charlie Houston. Charlie Houston is my favorite writer. Okay, so none of yeah. this is YA. No, all So, mature. like, no Hunger Games. No, my sister is huge on this. Part of it also is because she's a librarian over that age group. You know, so she does, like, the teen books. Okay. She orders a so. lot of them. She goes through them a lot, see if they're worth buying more of. So she recommends a lot of this stuff to me. And I'm like, is it a movie yet? And she's like, no. <laughs> <laughs> and she always... Every single last time, she's like, yeah, but the book was better. I'm like, yeah, I don't have that kind of time. Okay, so what I'm getting at is YA films versus YA books. Not too much yeah. versus, but... Ooh, ooh, but, but there is one I did read, I forgot, as an adult. And they've made two movies out of it, and I don't mind the movies, but I feel like it's better fit for a TV series, is the Alfred Hitchcock Presents The Three Investigators, which was my favorite book as a kid, and I'll still pick them up here, uh, from time to time and read them. Wait, Three Investigators? Yeah, The Three Investigators. What did they do as as far as adaptations into film. Here's the thing is, it was a phenomenon in America during the 60s and 70s. Had a brief revival in the 80s. They did about 30 books. And that, that sounds like a lot, but back then, you know, you could put out these pulp novels like every single month. Right, right. A writing mill. But they're still huge overseas, especially in Germany for some reason. When I went to go sell my Three Investigators collection a couple years ago, I sold them all to Germany. And they produced two movies with American actors. Barely released here. I think they're on Lionsgate DVD. Only European distribution, really. So they just... Ended, okay. They ended the series. And did you like those movies? They, they're good for what they are, and I'm actually just so pleased that they even made movies out of them. Hmm, okay. So the Hunger Games you didn't really get into, did you ever watch any of those? Uh, I saw the first one, and I was like, meh, I'll go watch okay. the Running I, Man I've again. seen them all, yeah. but I, I can't really remember. No, no. Except for the, you know, the obvious earmuffs. Uh, this, this of course, is a phenomenon since the Harry Potter movies broke out, is that everybody wants their own franchise of young adult adventure novels. It seems like most of them end 
way too early. Well, like there was City of Ember, and that only had one. Yeah. And I don't know if that was a book series or just one. Yeah, it book. might have been. I don't know. I haven't seen that one. There was the. Was and then the, there was Aragon. Yeah, I haven't seen that one either. Um, Vampire. Or Assistant. I call it Aragon. <laughs> the Vampire's Assistant. That was a series. Cirque yeah. Du, Cirque du Freak. Um, what's the one that's a series? That's, uh, a the, series of unfortunate events was a big book series. That's one movie and now a TV series. So they they've got a hit Netflix TV yeah. series, and I don't know how much of a hit it actually. Is, I like Percy Jackson. That was Percy. Jackson has two films. Yeah, I am number four how was many, disappointing because it was only one movie. I, re- I actually and how dug many it. books is the I am number four? I, I think it's still going, so it's hard to say. I think they're on about five of them right now. I think it's still going. Okay. I haven't paid attention. So is each book subsequently like I am number five, I am number six? No, actually, it kind of goes out of order. I think it's kind of strange. It tells each one's origins, but I don't know why it's out of order. Okay. Also, Divergent. There's one entry left, and they're just like, "Man, we're good." Well, like, oh, what an the, insult. yeah. The Divergent series. Did you watch any of those? I watched the first one. I actually liked it, but I didn't love it, so I'm not eager for the other ones the only this is the only series that i like every entry this is the one that we're going to discuss yeah here. okay so what we're talking about is something that's kind of unlikely it's called the maze runner can you tell me anything about yourself i can't remember anything every month they send up a new arrival this month that's you the only way out is through the maze it never takes the same shape twice well, we call them grievous we get out now, or we die trying. Let's go! The Maze Runner, ready PG-13. And it's unlikely because they had a script, and they weren't sure about it. And when they took this to the director, Wes Ball, whose first movie was The Maze Runner, it was on the heels of his CG animated miniature epic called Ruin. Have you seen Ruin yet? No, I have not. Let me describe it. It's a guy in the ruins of a big city, post-apocalyptic, and he kicks out a sort of safe out of the top of a building or a higher up. Yeah. And it falls down, and then he opens it up, and he gets this uh, tablet sort of thing of something that he needs. And then there's a hunter-killer, Terminator-style sort of thing, that comes and tries to kill him. And he gets on his motorcycle, and he has a sword, like a ninja sword sort of thing, on his back. And he rides through the ruins of the city, on the freeways, off the freeways, just rides through trying to escape this thing. And it's eight minutes long. The character animation, not to my liking, but this took eight months to make, eight minutes. The cityscape, all of that is really well done. And it's just basically one guy and a couple of other people. Like, there was another person doing the character design. And it's just one guy, Wes Ball, putting all of this together on his own computer. And then he releases it to the wild. The internet. YouTube. But he also has an actual 3D copy of it. Because he shot it for 3D and he used anaglyph glasses. But it's stereoscopic in its nature. But how he fine-tuned that was through anaglyph. But he had never seen it stereoscopic. So when he was shopping this around as a reel to studios, he met with a guy who ended up becoming a close friend of his and a producer of these movies. He was like, well, we have a stereoscopic digital system here. We can just boot it up and show. You've never seen your own thing in actual 3D. He's like, no. So they did that and they pulled in all these executives in. And one of those people had with them the book Maze Runner and they handed it to him after screening because they were really impressed and said, just read this and tell me what you think. So he read it and then he read the script and then he said, uh, the, the script is all wrong. Now, a guy who's never directed a movie movie before says the script is all wrong that's kind of uh, gutsy yeah right <laughs> and they're like okay what would you do and he's like oh oh you're actually really asking me so that's how how his foot got into the door on this and then he 
had it rewritten with his people. And dang, is that a good first entry to a career, if ever I've seen. Yeah. Well, it's funny is nowadays it does seem like you get these decent-sized budget movies off of, you know, test reels and, and uh, fan films and, you know, YouTube stuff. Well, that's how you got... Deadpool. Deadpool. Yeah. Right. So, but this... Uh, let's run through the plot a little bit. Yeah, I'm going to... Okay, so I'm going to tell you right now, this is the episode where I'm a dum-dum. I've seen the first two more than once, mm-hmm. and I decided to watch the third one for the first time, and there's these questions that never even occurred to me before. I don't know why. Sure. And the the answer is probably obvious, but I have such short attention span that I probably missed it. Um, I'm going to okay. I'm going to be the June Diane Raphael of this episode where I ask silly questions. <laughs> All right, go for it. But you you run down the plot real quick. No, no. What, okay, the guy who's going to ask questions about the plot is going to run down the plot? Yeah, do it, do it, do it. Oh, I'll steer oh, you. Okay. Go. Okay, so Dylan O'Brien wakes up in a kind of what seems like a woodsy oasis kind of thing, and it's all kids, and doesn't know why he's there. He's uh, trying to figure out what is in the cement wall that people keep disappearing into. I hate describing movies. You know I'm garbage at this. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, you're gonna go. No, that's not that plot at all. What did you watch? No, like, no, oh. no. That that's that's like you're what you're doing is you're cutting away so much. Uh, yes, of the uh, detail yeah, yeah. that it's just like a a big broad paint stroke of it. But that's fine. You're right. He does wake up in this foreign place to him. Yeah. It's, uh, he actually rises out of the ground, really, in the what's called the box. Okay, so... And it's like an elevator. So, we're gonna, you know what? I'm going to burn through all three movies really fast, and then you're going to go back and help me understand all of this. Because right. I didn't hate it, and it wasn't hard to understand, because, I mean, it was a pretty straightforward film, but I was just like, wait, no, what about this part? What about this? Okay. So, inside the walls is something. They don't know what it is yet, um, and, and the kids... Well, are, they do know that there's a maze. Yeah, actually. there's a maze, the maze and, runner, and they've been so. trying to figure it out, but it shifts every day, so it's hard to figure out which is the path to get through and there's a creature in there and it attacks one of the kids the other kid's trying to get him out and and then our main star what is the main kid's name i forgot I'm not good with thomas thomas uh he goes in you know at the very last second <laughs> he waited long enough because i was like oh that wall's gonna oh you're gonna be mush oh this has a lot a lot a lot of indiana jones getting his hat editing yeah this this is a lot of video game stuff too oh right yeah is there a video game of this because i feel like it's clearly made for no, adaptation there's not a video game of any of this yeah but... it just feels like it kind of has some boss levels to it these post-apocalypse oh it is a post apocalypse film yeah these post-apocalypse type films are very video gamey to me but this one doesn't bother it doesn't bother me in the same way that it no does. i'm just talking oh. about the concept oh okay gotcha gotcha i was they don't like i'm the not look. talking about the yeah. graphics no let's not get uh, all justice league here <laughs> stepping mm, wolf no <laughs> i just a, a note the creatures uh there are more than one of them they're about seven or eight yeah because there's seven or eight doors that they holding pins that they come from uh, and they've learned this later on in the film. Those creatures, the CG on that, while still obviously CG because our eyes know real from false, yeah. is some of the absolute best CG monster work I've ever seen. It, what's amazing is this movie only costs $32 million, and I think that's how you can keep the franchise going, because if it had been expensive, like, see, that's the problem with all these young adult adaptations, is all of them seem to cost, like, 90 to $120 million, and then you shoot yourself in the foot. They played mm-hmm. this very tightly, so, you know, the first one was 32, the, and the second, third one are 61, and the international box office on these are always huge. But uh, particularly, yeah. that's what kept this franchise alive, because clearly the interest was waning. You know, the second one dropped by $20 million, the third one dropped, I think, by 30 
30 million. Thankfully, it was sure. the last one, so we had to wait around. Okay, so back to the plot. We'll get back to all the details. So he decides to get through the maze. I can't remember what brings him back, and then they all go through. And that's like basically the rest of the movies. this big battle to get through the maze and fighting off these spider creatures, which infect you. They get out, they get and they met, find They're him. met by a sort of, sort of a resistance right. to the bad people who are named Wicked. W-C-K-D. But if you watch it with subtitles, it just says Wicked. Oh, I didn't even notice that. I didn't even notice that, dude. I noticed it in the third movie. I thought it was a radio station because it only had four letters. And I was right. like, huh. I didn't even... Now, I forget what they're called, but it's like Wellness Center for Disease control no it's that's with a k yeah that's that's a that's a little on the nose stupid that's a little uh yeah i know yeah it's not that but it is an anagram that means something right Uh, i should have what i like about this franchise is it never talks down to you it never feels like a young adult movie yes it has young people in it but it never feels like it's trying to sell itself to teenagers because this is a horror movie this is a big adventure a post-apocalyptic it's survival horror yeah it's 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 it is survival sci-fi yeah it's great i mean it just finds a way to mesh those genres and Mm post-apocalyptic is probably the easiest way to combine horror and action because first you have a world that's just completely insane now and nothing that we recognize and you can introduce elements and we've seen it in all of these i mean in a way the mad max franchise is also a horror film because of what they do to each other oh well the horrors of de-civilization right and the ravages of war which this is some sort of disease has gotten through and this is the whole point of these kids being in the maze they are being conditioned to find the strongest blood of these kids okay that would uh, resist against and be a cure the antidote okay to wait this that doesn't make any sense disease oh hold on that doesn't make okay we're gonna get back to that but I, mm, i'm not sure i understand the point of that they take all of the kids that aren't affected by the disease uh-huh. and they put them in this place okay and <laughs> yes yeah, okay where did the, the spiders come from i thought the disease came from the spiders where the disease no, come from no 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 the the disease it's almost like they're trying to inoculate the kids with not necessarily the spiders i don't this is the the very strange thing the adults or the wicked in this company by episode two the second film you see where they come from there is a about 30 seconds to a minute where they're in a room with all these incubation cylinders and these strange creatures growing in there and that's what these things are Okay. Bioengineer. So, so how did they get the money to build the maze in the first place? Two, they had the money to create new creatures. And three, when the spider injects one of the kids, I swear he replicates the exact same uh, symptoms as when you're infected to be a zombie. Yes, it is. It is. Well, they're called cranks. Mm. And they're zombies. And you do get infected and that you turn into sort of... Man, the cranks are awesome in this. I don't know. It's like a nature zombie. You, you have roots growing out of you. Yeah, it's by, if you're weird. if you're fully turned, you get roots growing out of you, like along your veins, and somewhat implied tendrils coming out of your mouth, like the Resident Evil Plaga. Yeah, or, or the trees are getting revenge on us finally for cutting them all down, and they decide to infect humanity. The happening. Uh-huh. It's a sequel this to the happening. the happening. No, this is not happening. <laughs> <laughs> So, so my big question is because they don't even address it. You can't necessarily refute it. But the logic behind what you're saying, like making this big maze and trying to inoculate these kids by infecting them. So there are stronger kids. Minho, the Asian kid, is really strong. He's one of the runners. Mm -hmm. The the maze runners are people who go inside the maze and investigate ways to escape. They map the maze and then they come back out and 
try to discuss it, and they can never find a way to escape until Thomas comes up, and he finds a way through killing one of those creatures called the Grievers. They pull the this sort of camera out of his head and see they're biological and they're mechanical spiders so robo spiders yeah but they're actually really cool but ugly and disgusting but robots so so. good and ugly yeah but the cg effects are so good on this stuff the guy really invested time and effort into making it look right as opposed to that's good enough yeah i wonder if post-production was really long on this movie yeah maybe that's why the maybe that's why the budget on the second one's so much higher because they didn't have that much time usually they try to cram as many movies you know into a short period of time because the kids are growing up fast well the second one the world outside is hanging on by a very thin thread this entire facility is designed to keep you safe they're hiding something these people are not who they say they are the maze is one thing, but you kids wouldn't last one day out in the scorch. What the hell? Come on! You guys don't have to come with me. But I know we can do this. I know we can make it. The Scorch Trials, rated PG-13. Hardly has any grievers in it. Right. And the second one, they get out, and they're rescued by some resistance group against Wicked, or so they say. And um, that's headed by Littlefinger. Who, if he's in a movie, you know he's up to no good. That's just the act. Oh, yeah, totally. You can't, you can't trust him. Has he ever played a good guy? He's going to play the best dad in the world. Guess what? You can't trust him. Yeah, he's, he's burying he's the neighbors in the backyard. He's something like that. He's just getting the mail, and it's sinister. The Batman movie is like the only one where he... Yeah, let's grab movie. the end of Maze Runner for just a second. So they put them through this thing to see who's the strongest. That means that'll show who has the blood that can possibly be used as a cure or resistance yeah. to the disease. Yeah, that's that's why get these kids killed in the first. What does that even have to do with anything? Just test the kids in the first place. Take their blood out. I, I, that's they did. Okay, this comes back around to the second. All right. Yeah. yeah no, the, the second one doesn't have as many questions. But I felt like I don't know. It just seems like the action sequences are interesting, but the storyline, while less confusing, doesn't seem as imaginative. No, in the second one, they, they, they each progressively they they get more and more logical, but they get less and less interesting. Um, I want to say fantastic. Yeah, the, the second and third one feel like TV shows, if that makes sense. So the first one feels purely mm. like a movie. There's sec- stuff in the second and third one that feel like they're a season of a show compressed into. Okay, I see what you mean. I'm like TV shows quality. No, 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 no. I just mean like quality. you know how the event you saw the new Avengers, right? Sure. It feels it, ruin anything. No, no, no. But it feels like an entire season of a TV show compressed down. They took out all the fat. You know, and it's just like that's kind of how the second third. Well, I, yeah. I'm not gonna say that about the third one because there's a drag in the third one where I was like, oh, it's still <laughs> the third going. one's really really long. Yeah. The um, uh, so the second one they learned that there's a sinister edge to this resistance group, being that they're not resistance, right? And they are actually now uh, turning all the kids that they're rescuing from the various mazes because apparently there are various mazes, and they're putting them into a prison. So this maze and this glade that they lived in originally was kind of like a prison. And it was kind of had earmarks of Lord of the Flies without being sinister, without going wrong. It was a communist society, basically, that they lived in, where everybody has a job to do, everybody contributes, and everybody eats. And that's it. Harmony. Until Thomas comes along and disrupts everything. In the second one, another kid sneaks around and tells Thomas about it, and then they figure out that everybody is a Capri Sun juice packet. They're trying to drain them of their blood or plasma or whatever. Well, actually, I feel, maybe they changed it in the third one, but I thought they were looking for their adrenaline. 
adrenaline. Like they, they synthesize fear. Like these states that they put them in, it looks like they're it's I come in peace <laughs> idea. Yeah, right, right. We'll right. get to that. Well, but I did, well I did. in the second one, they're all hanging from these. This reminded me of coma, but instead of horizontal, they're all vertical. They're hanging like they're on hangers. Mm-hmm. And they're all being siphoned. And the two kids are like, holy crap, we gotta go. And then our boss, Patricia Clarkson, she's a doctor looking for the cure. See, society at large is rounded up into these big big cities where everybody goes about their business as if they're like live now this is another question that i have in these mega cities one major mega city that everybody lives in now on the outskirts there's like the mad max type people and the and the bums and the slums there's a wall holding them out of the city now inside everybody's dressed in suits and business as usual what business why is there business? Is this what kind of society? That's my question. What kind of society is this? Mega City One. Are they making things? Are there banks? Yeah. Because you, you know, do they have their own? It, they have their own like streaming internet systems. <laughs> yeah, you go inside and you see a monorail going around. You see not quite Blade Runner esque city, but it's still a megalopolis like that. And it's bright, but it's new and it's shiny and it's well kept inside the walls. Outside the walls, it's shamble city and toppled buildings. Inside the walls, these people are like literally the 1% types. Yeah. But why is there still work? Uh How is there still work? What is is their industry in this age? Yes, that. And so it it just seems like uh, along the walls are like, you know, guards and cannons and all this stuff to keep out the riffraff, which would be potentially infected people because all the people inside, you don't want them infected. We get that. So you're you're saying in in, in a way that the people outside the wall represent the poor. They're infected with poorness, like sub-level humans to these one percenters. Yeah. So the second one doesn't even get there yet. The second one, they travel through the wastelands, which is the... This one was a friend of mine, Ron, watched this recently, and he was like, it reminds me of Resident Evil 3, Extinction, where they go to Vegas. Yeah, but that movie's a huge disappointment. The action sequences have... No, not... It's, no, that's the worst, no, no, right, I think, it, of the it, bunch. It, I haven't that's... Seen. No. Three? Three. Where they go to I Vegas really, the I was in the really, desert? I was really disappointed. That's the best episode. It's the most unique episode of Resident Evil. All the other ones are badly made and weird except for like the one where they go to russia that one's insanely funny which which one's that one not the last one but the one before that i like the one that was in the high rise i thought that was pretty good maybe i'll rewatch them we'll do that maybe next year <laughs> for franchise frenzy because i haven't seen the last okay. one and i haven't seen right. the first two in years okay i think the third one is the strongest effort and that does remind me of this but this movie seems to be better so this one it has the desert feel if you remember that resident evil extinction it has a similar feel, but it is much more focused. I also and think it's scarier. It I really oh, think yeah. the creatures is the way he did it. Here's the thing. Without West Ball's vision, I really think that these movies would be mediocre. He sets up really great... You know, great... he wasn't doing the second one. But then they were done with the first one, and he was like, okay, I did that. And then they brought him the second one. He was like, wait, what? But I don't have a dog in this hunt. So he really had to figure out how to do it. Mm-hmm. Like, he really had to work. Because the first one really came to him much more naturally. He actually used a lot of what he did in Ruin visually or, or like pacing wise or quickness and the excitement that he used in Ruin. And so he started applying that to the second movie with the Shamble City stuff. But the zombie sort of things, he had to really kind of reinvent those. The cranks. It, it was hinted at in the first one, the kid getting infected uh, and attacking him. But they never showed the full breadth of that until the second one. And the second one, they are really good and scary, as you said. Mm-hmm. There's an 
action sequence in there, which, yes, to me, it felt like something from The Lost World, but it's done in a way that it still feels fresh, and it was it's truly terrifying. I mean, it's just set up in well, a way, and the way how he do shoots you, it. How do you do something that's been done before by a superior director, as they say, even though Rust Ball is a man Clearly he had, on board with what he's got? Yeah, yeah, whatever he's got coming uh, up next. But, I'm, like, I'm everybody, everybody touts Spielberg, right? Hardcore. Uh-huh. Spielberg, hardcore, he doesn't do anything wrong, except, you know, 1941, and a few other things that he does that are kind of lame but I like 1941 but it's a mess it's a yeah you you acknowledge it's a mess it's the worst of his stuff do you, but, do you, uh, but, let's, let's pause for a second here hold on do you think there's a thing that blinds people of our generation to movies that are not good like you can enjoy something but know it's bad the conversation we came up with yesterday was you know what can you accept the fact that maybe nostalgia is blinding you a little bit <laughs> yes yeah yeah I understand the need for nostalgia yeah, it's like a drink and just I, you, you take too much of it and all of a sudden things that are ugly look a lot prettier <laughs> Funny analogy. <laughs> I hate nostalgia as a philosophy, but our society right now, the blinders yeah. that we put on using the word classic just willy nilly. <laughs> Yeah, it's very based on nostalgia, and I can't stand it, but I understand now, I've had it explained to me recently, that nostalgia is positive in some ways to bring people together, to have something in common. Yes, but to me, nostalgia seems like it's a state of depression. You go back to the things (laughs) from your childhood because things seem more innocent and free then, and you miss that. You don't like being an adult. But the problem is, you would forget that you got your butt kicked constantly, and you're always in trouble and stuff like that as a kid. It wasn't that much easier when you were younger. It's just different. Because what you did after you got your butt kicked is you went and watched Karate Kid 30 times. Yeah. So nostalgia, what I'm trying to say about about this scene is that how do you change it? How do you make it better? It's it's what, 1998 versus 20 years later. And the girl is in the high rise and she lands on a window and the window is facing the ground and she is hundreds of feet above the ground. It is nerve-wracking. And how Spielberg did it was in the dark. He hid everything in the darkness. Mm-hmm. It did not get my nerves. I see the people in peril. I got it. Ooh, scary. That's, ooh, tense. But in this... She's on the glass, which has been in other movies too. And the glass is breaking, and a ghoul drops down and is trying to kill her. And the glass is slowly breaking. And at the last second, she gets saved, but they're dangling now above the jagged ruins in the daylight. You see everything that's going on. Technology allows this now. And it's so much more tense and terrifying that way. That's why I say bravo, kudos. Right. Well, plus it's more intimate. It's a, a used to be person. It can be shot differently than just a giant animatronic or CGI dinosaur. Yeah. So it just makes it more personal and, and you can shoot it in different ways. It's so strange that you, you're not a Jurassic Park fan. I, I don't know. I just seem like no. that would be your kind of thing. But I love that series. Um, every single entry. <laughs> the third one is the one that critics did not like i mean they were never really like on board with all of them but they all did around like you know i think it was like 60 50 percent how is it that he's able to do all this on such a low budget 60 million dollars you're just like this is a two and a half hour movie where there are a lot of action special effects yes they're more practical and, and probably you know nothing really original with the special effects but you're still stunned because you're like i see movies that have nothing going on in them and they cost 90 million dollars <laughs> no that's actors paying the yeah probably above the line big pedigree. Here's the problem with the Maze Runner, the death cure. Well, they meet the resistance in the second movie. The actual resistance with yeah. the Red Arm. And they're fighting against Wicked. But Wicked is really trying to find the death cure. They really do have a goal, but their goal is whatever it takes. Yeah, they're more extreme in their ideology. So the Red Arm is only about rescuing the kids and taking them to Safe Haven, a place which is 
more natural and friendly. They all have to still work and all that stuff to build their society back up. But it's safe and there's no diseases. The, the disease hasn't reached there. So that's where they want to take them. How do they know that? Just, exactly. they scouts. Okay. I'm okay. sure there are scouts. By the end of it, there's a big betrayal. The girl that shows up also in the first Maze Runner as an ally to Thomas. She knows him and also sets up some of the major tension in that film. And it's along the adventure in the second film. She's not the main girl in the second film anymore. The main girl is played by Rosa Salazar, who I think is really cool. In this yeah, movie, she's good. In the second film and third. But Kaya Scolidario, she was first seen in the TV show Skins, the UK show, which is insanely good. Imagine how Trainspotting compelled you to like these terrible characters in Trainspotting, but as a TV show about teenagers who are bad. Not about doing hard drugs, but they're just bad. Okay. And it compels you to follow their story, and she's one of those teenagers. So it, it unfolds that she's actually part of Wicked. It unfolds that Thomas is part of Wicked, but Thomas is a turncoat because he couldn't stand seeing his friends and people that he knew, his age even, that were being harvested of their blood and bodily fluids. So he gave Lily Taylor all the codes. She's in the second film. All all the information that she needed to rescue all the kids because she's a doctor that used to work for Wicked as well and she defected. Barry Pepper's in the second one as well and the third one. Which I'm glad because I was a little concerned. You know, his career is at that point where he might take a five-minute role in a movie like this and then that's it. Thankfully, it was a setup for a much bigger role in the third one. I mean, not huge, but I really like Barry Pepper. I thought he was going to be a much bigger actor. I mean, he was never going to really be a lead. He was always going to be a character actor, but it seemed like he was starting to fade away. Giancarlo Esposito's in it as well. Great actor. He and Rosa Salazar, so Jorge and Brenda, are sort of pragmatic, do-for-themselves survivors. Mm -hmm. They'll hook up with anybody, and they hook up with these sort of mercs who will trade the Maze Runner kids back to Wicked for a price. And Jorge and Brenda decide not to. Brenda's actually really much more on the fence about it, but Jorge goes ahead and blows up the entire place and has them all escape. And so then you got Thomas and Brenda stuck in a hole together and they have to get out. And they get out. It's a really cool adventure and that's where you get the skyscraper scene. Really great sequences there. But by the time they get to the end point of this film, you have Teresa, Kaya Scolidari, turncoat again because she was one of the assistants or doctors or whatever young technician working on the cure and things just start to unfold they get their memories back because they were wiped initially so now you have this what betrayal because Teresa actually knows that this is the only way that they can get the cure to save everybody so it's it's this whole philosophical quandary save millions by hurting a few or duty you don't hurt anybody but everybody dies which one do you choose yeah but but then then you have the Spock philosophy, you know, the sacrifice of the one for the many, you know. Right, but that's you sacrificing yourself True. for the many. And right, that right. Is he totally made that acceptable, yeah. right? Yeah. And this is how Thomas plays. Thomas is going to go and sacrifice himself for the many. If he can get out, he's going to try to get everybody out with him. Yeah. If he dies trying to get out, well, he died trying. And that's how Thomas is such a good character. Yeah, and I really like Dylan O'Brien. Most of these young actors don't get much after that franchise is over with, which is really disappointing. I hope that he gets something else, but his other two efforts lately haven't been very successful. 
I haven't seen them. Deepwater Horizon or American Assassin, but I know they didn't do very well, so I'm a little concerned. I hope he doesn't end up on a TV show in a couple years. Well, American Assassin is a Lionsgate film, so Lionsgate never does well. Yeah, that's true. Even if, even if they make good movies. How is it? I think Summit keeps Lionsgate alive because they own Summit. I just feel like Lionsgate always seems to barely escape by every year, and I have no idea how they do it. I don't know. So, the third one... This is about everyone Wicked's ever taken. They'll never stop. So I'm going to stop them. We started this together. May as well end it that way, too. Once we make it through those walls, we will. If you don't do this right, you're going to lose everything. Thomas, I would follow you anywhere. No matter what the cost. I'm not leaving you. Death Cure, rated PG-13. Minho, by the end of the second movie, is abducted. Minho is one of the strongest. He's got really strong blood, so it's very promising to harvest his DNA, blood, whatever they need, uh-huh. in order to make this cure. He's not necessarily perfect. It comes to light that the perfect one is Thomas. Ironically, maybe, maybe not. But the movie starts with an incredible train car chase stunt scenes. Which is the one that got him severely injured. They had to put yeah. production off for, what, a year? They don't, they don't show it. Do they? They said they used that take, and I I don't see it. I can't. I think I don't know how they did it because this whole thing seems like some Tom Cruise level stunt work. Yeah, here, where Tom Cruise likes to put himself into the picture and look. He's a little tiny dot on the screen. That could have been a stunt man or Tom CG. Cruise Just like, CGI. No, that it needs to be me. <laughs> that building's collapsing. It needs to be me in that building, and he does it. That's weird. Why Tom? Right in the because... age of digital mapping for faces, you know, and CGI that looks pretty dang good. Why are they still insisting on being there why did they put this kid at risk i mean uh, yes well, it was going this, 10 miles I don't know, per hour but it's so, amazing yeah he steps on top of the hood of the car and the camera pulls away from it that might have actually been the scene and they might have done some splicing and cgi work within that scene yeah. but it looks like the only way that they can do it is either have like tom cruise level stunt work or the best composite work ever and it might be a marriage of the two because a kid was pulled off of one car and smashed in the face by another and he was wrecked it took him six Six months to get better. Right, it broke his cheekbone, right? Am I correct? It broke his face. Oh. Fractured his face. And he had reconstructive surgery. They put him back together. And he had, I don't know how much of the movie they had shot beforehand, but it was early into production, too. So this is why there was a big lull between the two films, two and three. Three came out way later than it should have. Mm-hmm. And it was dumped in February or January. Well, the third one was always intended to come out in January. So it was coming out January 2017. So a year and a half after part two. But for whatever reasons, I don't know, maybe because the budgets are lower, that they don't have, like, scrambling teams doing the special effects paying them overtime they probably have just one core team doing it i think weta ended up doing it hmm. but also you know he had his contracts for those two other movies they had to fit in somehow i don't know how he fit american assassin in because he, he grew his hair out for that one so yeah he grew his hair out and he had beard a part of it anyway but he got better he got fixed but i don't know to what level he did stunt work in that final film yeah the final film is much longer and it's interesting because here's a question that i have do you think the big reveal of the guy who helped them when they get to the outskirts of the city who says I can get you in the city that kid was in the first movie oh I thought he was dead like how is this did right. they explain this because he had like a spear yeah. go through his chest okay so that kid shot Chuck Chuck is the expendable fat kid yeah sad it's there's we don't cliches. we don't mean that in a mean way but that's a cliche of the genre yeah there's cliches in the genre the 
expendable fat kid is a kid that he's really likable and he takes to the main character and he becomes somewhat of a sidekick or, or a kid brother to the main character in these types of movies and then he has a sad story and he says i want to get this thing this little carved figurine that i did to my parents who i don't have any memory of but i'm sure they'll appreciate it if you get out can you give it to them and then he's like no you're gonna give it to him that sort of cliche well he ends up getting shot by galley who's played by will poulter who i really like he's very british looking he's also at the same time norman rockwell looking yeah he looks like a norman rockwell kid the kid from uh chronicles of narnia right no uh yes and his first movie that i saw him in was son of rambo oh oh wow he's that kid i had no idea yeah he was huh he was the best friend he was the the creative guy behind the main character he's the guy that egged him on to make the rambo movies yeah very fun son of rambo is very awesome but he here he plays a kind of a jock in the first one and the point of contention and he ends up unintentionally killing chuck and mino throws a spear into his chest on his right side which looks like it might kill him but your heart is kind of in the center of your chest so he's just out and he's got this pole sticking out of him and then they all leave and then the third movie he shows up and i got better (laughs) yeah yeah he saves the day and there's tension there again you you killed chuck you were dead he goes no i wasn't dead you left me for dead but he was picked up by some people i don't know how he was picked up but that's what he says yeah some people patched him up and he's been resistance against wicked ever since also alan tuttick oh is that the third one? I thought he was in the second one. Second one. He's the one that gives him that weird he, drug. Yeah, he get, just gets him drunk. Not, nobody's ever had alcohol before. <laughs> in this post-apocalypse. So they take a sip of vodka and they're all like, woo! Vodka laced with acid or something. And that that's a pretty weird scene. And that's how they find out where the red arm is, is through Alan Tudyk. But yeah, anyway. So they get inside and they, they now finally are rescuing Mino. Do you think this movie has a logical conclusion with Kaya's character? Uh, logical conclusion? No, it didn't end. Okay, the, this is, of course, obviously spoiler-filled. Let's get to the ending here. It did not yeah. go the way I thought it would at all. There's a couple moments I thought were really obvious. I knew everybody on the planet knows that helicopter's going to be there to save one of them, at least. Because we've all seen aliens. And we all know that somehow they're going to use the zombies to attack the main villain, Aiden, whatever his name is, from Game of Thrones. And so I was a little disappointed there. I was like, oh, saw that one coming, saw that one coming. And then you're like, okay, so he's dying. He's got gut shot. It's a future. There's no way they're going to have proper health care to take care of that. So he's going to save her by throwing her onto the helicopter or something or lifting her up with whatever strength he has. And then he's going to sacrifice himself. And it doesn't happen. You're like, oh, what? Because you already you do face a tragic ending. His best friend, that well, that British kid. Yeah. You the really think that they're so close. You really think they're going to save him. He gets infected. But the cure is just right there. And then he can't fight it anymore. And he's telling him, just go. He even tries killing himself so he doesn't hurt him. And he ends up getting killed. And I mean, like, seconds later, the, the cure is right there. You're like, son of a... <laughs> <laughs> right, so that's a good cliche. Yeah, but that, that is but, a good cliche because that hurts. That hurts you. It did. Belo- this is a beloved character. Yeah, and he's who, been there the entire time as his best friend, right. but not in that obvious. You know how some of the movies are where they always have that guy like this guy's gonna be dead soon. You know, they always kill somebody major in the third entry. Right, and and this one they do more than that. Yeah, I mean they really so. they really build it up, and when it happens, you're just like oh. And when he cries over it, you can kind of see the culmination of the last three movies, all the stress and strain come, yeah. coming out 
at that moment. It was a really well done scene. And then you're like, okay, that's the end of the tragedy. There's not going to be another tragedy. Yeah, she's a turncoat, but she was trying. She had her reasonings and she tried to help. She had the reason. She's being pragmatic. Yeah. She really needed to. It's interesting. So you have the two pragmatic systems. You have the pragmatic system of Teresa and then Brenda's turned to fighting against Wicked all the way. So that's very interesting. They're both pragmatic, but for different agendas. It's not the same. When you say pragmatic, it doesn't cover the same bases. Yeah. But yeah, she she eats it. She falls into the rubble. Yeah. And it, it's kind of tragic because, you know, she, she it's not even just the heart in the right is in the right place. I truly believe that Wicked is not villainous. But it's just there's members of Wicked that are not on the yeah. right side. Because when yeah. Patricia so, Clarkson gets killed, you're actually kind of upset because she didn't seem like she seemed she was neutral. You know how they always have the extremes for the heroes and the villains? She seemed like she was a, a neutral that could sway in any direction just based on the moment. But we have the extreme bad, you know, taking her out. And Yeah. So the extreme guy is the security officer. Yeah. Is he just the megalomaniac now? Is he just like, you guys are resisting me and don't resist. I'm going to kill you if you resist. Yeah. Is that it? Does it, it, does it also feel like a metaphor for politicians um, between uh, extreme left, extreme right, and the neutral? Mm. Well, that's why this movie is so good because it also can work as metaphors and similes and yeah. all of that stuff. So yeah. When, um, when she knows the building's going to collapse, at least in my opinion, I would have been like, well, I'm going to die anyway. I might as well try to <laughs> land on the helicopter. You know, I mean, there's a handout. They could, you know, just try. You're going to be dead anyway, so just give it a leap. <laughs> just do it. She just topples off the edge and falls down the she side She just sits of back it. and goes, nope. Oh, darn. <laughs> Resigns. Yeah. No, you go. Uh, no, you know, that might be admission of guilt right there. Like, Maybe. Not, not admission of guilt, but remorse. Yeah, th- this is like what I deserve or something in her head. Yeah. Okay. That's sort yeah, of And true. then it ends, of course. They're on the island. I think it has like one of those nice somber endings. I'm glad they didn't do. It's... You remember how movies used to be whenever characters died in these kind of films, they would have like a montage at the end showing them like, oh, they would like wow. laughing Face, faces and <laughs> hugging moments. Oh, fades. Dead. But here it's a letter. Yeah. It's a letter yeah. written by the kid to Thomas. And it's written in, and spoken in his voice. It's a voiceover. And it's really good. When you ran into the maze, I knew right then and there that I would follow you anyway. Yeah, that was the great line. Yeah. Because Thomas did run into the maze, but he ran into the maze to help them. Right. Because they couldn't get out before the maze closing. But he ended up staying in the maze and then they end up killing the thing. So that's the proof that he is somebody to follow. He comes out alive and having killed a monster. I mean, follow that guy. Yeah, he's a leader. And he doesn't even attempt to be the leader. So, Mike, with all the cliches that are in this, all the story beat cliches, the obvious, like, this has to happen in this type of story, I think it still succeeds and, and usurps those. It doesn't turn out anything like that on its head, story-wise. But everything is so competently made, and also made with a singular vision, that I find these movies incredible, especially for the YA genre, because none of it feels YA. What do you think? No, it's about kids, but it's made for adults. And that's why I think this trilogy stands... I mean, I know people worship the Harry Potter movies, and there's some really good creative entries, but it always feels like a kid's movie. Maze Runner does not, and and that's why I'm just like, I'm going to go back to these and watch them again. Mm Mm-hmm. When I watched it the first time, I was like, this is not a children's this is not YA this is sure they're teenagers and young adults but you know and it's actually a rarity you think when people look back on the 80s movies they're always like oh man back then kids could do anything you could get them to save the world they could fight the Russians they could do whatever but almost every single last one of them like 
can think of have these moments where they're like, oh, clearly this is trying to uh, aim at the teenage audience, you know, like rev them up. And this has none of those moments where it's like, okay, now we have to have this to get the, you know, the 12 year old's interest in the movie. Nothing. And nothing. It doesn't compromise the series. Right. And by the second one, you actually get adult players alongside the teens, like older adults. Yeah. And, and, and he, the third one. And that's the smartest thing I think West Ball did was choose good actors, not choose names. You know what? They could have made, let's say this, hypothetically, you could get a few well-known names to play smaller parts and make the budget just $61 million and then, you know, make it a $65 million movie, but it distracts from it. You could get Nicolas Cage probably for a sandwich now in a good comic book, and that would take away. I love <laughs> A Luke Cage comic you, book. You know I love Nicolas Cage, but he would take away from it. Any stars. Barry Pepper, at a moment, was a star, but he was always one of those guys, it's the only reason he was anywhere near being a lead is because he was just so insanely good, and uh, I don't know if you've seen 61. I know you don't like baseball movies, but he no. is incredible in that movie. Him and Thomas Jane make a movie about baseball that's not about baseball at all. Oh. It's about stardom and how it can destroy or make a man. And huh. Billy Crystal directed it in such a way that there's a lot of visual cues. How do you say that? Where he, you know how uh, directors can use the image to tell the story, but in a subtle way? That's what Billy Crystal did. And I was really surprised because I think some of his movies are a little heavy handed. Right. But that's my first note, Barry Pepper. Giancarlo Esposito is just one of those guys that survives. You know, he's so good that he, yeah. he just, I think the first time I saw him was Maximum Overdrive. He played the guy who got killed yes. by the pinball machine, I think. That's it. That's his first role that, yeah. I, that I recall. And he's just one of those guys you think would have faded away by now because that's just what happens to all those 80s actors. They seem to just be moved, you know. All it, no, what's it? but the, the guy's strong. He's, yeah, he's, he's good. He's got strength. Lily Taylor, right? Lily Taylor, Lily Taylor, yeah. yeah. And in fact, I was surprised to see her because I, I feel like I haven't seen her in a really long time. And I'm talking like a long, just the conjuring. long time. Yeah. What's that? That's it. The Conjuring. Is she in The Conjuring? I forgot about that. Yeah, the first okay, one. Yeah, okay. She's in The First Conjuring, but she does the same old thing in The Conjuring. And here she doesn't do any weird, quirky, no, 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 mentally no, no. anguished person. Yeah, and of she's course, just Patricia Clarkson, always great. Somebody different. Yeah. Yeah, Patricia Clarkson. Yeah, everybody in this is great. All of them are great. Yeah, so I love this y- it has series. a lot to appeal to everybody, and that's why I think 10 years down the line, this series will, I think, be more appreciated, more talked about. It'll be one of those cult Well, cult I babes. hope that this episode will actually bring to life this series. I mean, I know we kind of spoiled it a lot. Yeah, so there are two prequel novels that kind of explain what happened prior to Maze Runner, you know, how the disease spread and where it came from. I don't think it's necessary. No, I don't. I, like I don't. I like the trying. Well, I don't like figuring out by asking you. I wish I was smart enough to figure it out on my own. But oh <laughs> um, no, I don't have anything figured out uh, no. in total. I, I like the questions. Yeah, I like yeah, yeah. Questions. I don't. I don't like everything explained for me. And I know that sounds ridiculous. After I was like, "What does this in America mean? What does this video mean? I don't understand it." <laughs> Sometimes I want stuff explained. Okay, David Lynch movies I want to explain, but I don't need everything read out to me. Like, oh, okay, thank you. Yeah, well, and it's an ambiguous ending because he has the the cure in his hand and you think he's going to throw in the ocean or put it yeah, yeah. and then they just what's going on but, man? but West Ball was smart enough to cut it right there because you know just leave it yeah. up to the fates you know like what do you think it means yep. yeah good movies yep good movies the whole lot of them so good job Wes alright uh, that is it for us here next one is going to be what, what do we choose Tremors right <laughs> yeah probably Tremors we could do Tremors Predators Tarantino knockoffs but yeah Tremors let's do that alright so uh, yeah and I, I'm not sure I'm going to discuss five and six too heavily unless six is amazing but the first four I absolutely adore but the sixth one is on Netflix now so I'm gonna go watch it alright on that note later gang bye no, that's not the plot at all. What did you watch? Control. Robo Spiders. This is not happening. So good and ugly. The same best quality. Oh, darn. Woo. 